Porkfest, it's hard to talk about it without sounding fluffy, but it really I'll is. Fluff away. Yeah. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Welcome once again to the Lions of Liberty podcast, episode 65. And my guest today is a spokesman for the Free State Project, a group which is attempting to create a more libertarian state by encouraging activists to move to New Hampshire. He's a former organizer of Pork Fest, the yearly Liberty Festival in that state. He's here with me today to discuss a new film promoting the Free State Project, one in which he is featured along with other prominent names such as Peter Schiff, Ben Swan, and many others, entitled 101 Reasons Liberty Lives in New Hampshire. Mike Vine, welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Thanks, Mark. Happy to be here. Before we get into the Free State Project and this film and all of your current work, I'm curious as how you first became interested in the ideas of liberty, whether it was a book, a speech, or maybe just a feeling in your gut that popped up one day. How did you get into all this crazy liberty stuff? So my story goes way back. I'm, I'm not that old. I'm 28 now, but I, I started in the liberty movement when I was about 13. I guess I always had the instincts, but it was a, it was a project I did for school, and I built a website looking at all the different third parties and comparing and contrasting. Don't ask me why I picked that, but I looked at all of them. I said, the Natural Law Party and the Reform Party, and they all said some interesting things, but I got to the Libertarian Party, and I was like, oh, that's exactly what I believe. So the rest is history, I suppose. Wow, that's amazing. That I mean, because when I was 13, I cared about like comic books and like pro wrestling, and that was about right. it. So, like, and, and as far as building a website, I mean, I run linesofliberty.com, but I mean, it, it, it's a struggle today, and I can only run this thing because how much help I have from other people, so. That's really impressive that you were getting that politically astute at that young age and that you could even, I guess, I don't know, maybe kids now could build websites at 13. I don't know. To me, I'm a little bit older than you. All it proves is I was a super nerd and <laughs> probably continue to be. <laughs> I guess so. Well, if being a nerd leads you to the ideas of liberty, then so be it. We'll get there however we can. And now, what, what was it at the time about, you know, that Libertarian Party, that platform that really resonated with you that said, oh, yeah, this is what I believe. What was it that really stood out? I guess I've never accepted arbitrary authority, even with, with teachers going all the way back with my parents. I think to some extent, even though my, neither of my parents are expressly libertarian, they're both doctors. They always treated me kind of like an adult. They would reason out what they were doing in, in most circumstances. You know, they, if, they, if they had an opportunity to say why they were you know, telling me to do something, they would give me a reason. So I think, I think that laid a good foundation uh, and then just, you know, general instincts of, you know, being scientists and not having, you know, a lot of superstitions going and, you know, just creating that kind of environment, kind of a, you know, liberal environment in, in the sense of, you know, classical liberal. And so I think there were a lot of the pieces were there and, and just my own, my own instincts and it all combined and just looking at the Libertarian Party platform uh, where they basically were just calling for, for less arbitrary control, fewer taxes. I remember going into high school one day and I said we should abolish the income tax and you know all, <laughs> one of my classmates was like you're an idiot <laughs> you know and that was kind of who will build the roads you fool right well i mean growing at that point i was in manhattan and uh, in a prep school and so it was a very pro state sort of progressive left environment and my ideas were very unpopular and uh, definitely was 
was held against me throughout uh, throughout school. But so you're kind of like the Ron Paul of your school. You were showing up and saying all yeah. sorts of crazy stuff, and people were just yeah. looking at you like you're nuts. But exactly, they they all thought I was I was a little nuts. But you know, that's what I believed, and I stuck to it. And actually, I mean, I, I think it had somewhat of an impact. I ran for student government a couple times, got elected uh, junior class rep for calling basically for doing the same thing to the school administration that we would you know do to the government is hold them accountable and give people a little more freedom i wanted to abolish study halls you know and <laughs> let, let people choose what they did with their free periods and that kind of thing so i hopefully i had a little influence on them but probably not much well who knows there might be some liberty activist out there that first got that spark started by one of your wild speeches back in the day well actually i did have i'll say i did have a friend um, back in virginia or the other place i lived he would call me because when he had history homework and just ask me the questions from his homework and I would be happy to talk about it for half an hour, you know, whatever it was, you know, the Civil War, you know, the Mexican-American War, whatever it was. And he would just listen, basically starting out just so he had smart things to say in class. But over time, he became a libertarian and now he's he's pretty strong libertarian. Well, there you go. Yeah. There's one. I mean, you know, you never really know where this kind of stuff is some kind of leaving. You never even know where or when people are really listening to you. You know, I've been posting on the Internet and on Facebook for years and years. And before we even had the website or the podcast or anything, every once in a while, I get someone say, hey, man, I really, really like what you're doing. It's really gotten me thinking of other ways. And I'm a Ron Paul supporter. Like somebody would come out and say that back in the day. Be like, oh, I didn't even know. I didn't even know you were paying attention. So it's really just a good thing to just keep putting that stuff out there no matter where you are, whether it's in school, whether it's just on Facebook, at the bar, every, everywhere you go in life because you never really know. A lot of times I think things resonate people with people secretly. They don't just necessarily jump out and say, oh, I agree with you right away because they might not agree with you right away. But you know, a lot, it's really just about getting the ball rolling in people's minds a lot of the time but just bringing up crazy ideas like abolishing the income tax and that kind of thing. Right, yeah, you set uh, basically the the bounds of debate are set by what people have heard before. So there's a, a particular window of kind of acceptable opinion and even just by being a, a normal sane person that holds a really unconventional opinion, you actually expand that window for people and even if they're not going to go all the way to say okay, I also want to abolish the income tax, now, you know, if someone talks about, you know, reducing it by 50%, that's kind of within the the range of opinions they've heard and it's actually not the most radical they've heard so it can be very helpful that way right i mean you're still moving the ball down the field to use uh, i guess the sports analogy you're you're kind of pushing the conversation in one direction whereas before you know that might not have even been something that could come up you might not even be talking about whether or not you should have an income tax or what level it could be at or just to use that one example but same kind of thing when ron paul just starts talking about you know, different ways to look at foreign policy, the idea of blowback. And it was so crazy to hear these things on TV at the time, but now it's actually a normal part of the conversation. And, I mean, they actually talk about openly about the ill effects of military intervention and how that caused terrorism. That's actually something that's talked about in the mainstream now where it was just exactly just a few short years ago. It was a crazy idea. And I'm like, let's move on a little bit in your kind of journey here. How did you first, I guess, first learn about the Free State Project and when and why did you finally pick up and decide to join this group of uh, liberty activists and move to New Hampshire? I uh, quickly, as I got involved in the movement when I was younger, you know, pick up Reason Magazine. I think I probably saw an ad in Reason Magazine, or it was they were they were advertising all over. This was you know around uh, 2003 when they were just getting rolling. So I thought it was an interesting idea back then, and kind of figured in the back of my head that I would always end up in New Hampshire. But it had a lot of life stuff to get out of the way first: go to college and get my first job and that sort of thing. So uh, I signed the pledge back then, and then waited years and years. And uh, I didn't really get involved until uh, I was at a Stossel taping and they were doing a segment on the Free State Project. 
And I, uh, I stood up and asked kind of a softball question to make it easy for the, for the guest, who is Chris Lawless, who's a good super activist up here. And uh, anyway, it turned, you know, turned out really well, and we went out for drinks afterward, and those were the first kind of porcupines I met, and then went to, uh, to Pork Fest uh, in 2011, and that was, that was it. I mean, we, we were visiting, sort of scoping it out, but uh, after going to Pork Fest, it was two months, and we had made the move, and it was just, you know, it was just like, we can't spend any longer of our life not being part of this community. Tell people out there a little bit more about Porkfest. I mean, I've heard about it every year. It sounds like a blast. I know people that have gone and, and absolutely um, swear by it as a, something a must-go-to, I guess, for liberty activists. I've yet to go. So why should someone like me just give us the quick sell? Why should we check out Porkfish? Why should we at least, if we're not going to move to New Hampshire right away, maybe we should at least come out for this one event, Porkfest, which I believe you did run, was it back in 2013? 2013, right. Porkfest, it's hard to talk about it without sounding fluffy, but it really a fluff is. away. Yeah, I mean, it really is a, a unique experience on Earth. I, I've been involved in the movement for a long time. I've been to lots of different conferences, and there are plenty of conferences, and those are good, and we can exchange ideas. But Porkfest is the only experience I've seen where you actually really get to live the principles that we talk about because you're in this campground with 2,000 other like-minded people, and you sort of form you know, this temporary autonomous zone where there's no, you know, there's no police going to be coming on the campground unless there's a major incident. Uh, there's no regulators. Uh, it's just us and on a pri- private piece of land and whatever we choose to build. So we end up with Agora Valley, which is this huge section of the campground where independent vendors pop up. There's all sorts of alternative currencies being traded, Bitcoin, gold, silver. Half the people are open carrying. At least half the people are open carrying. Uh, and yet there are no incidents um, and then you've got these talks you can sit in on, or you can go to, you know, hang out in the pool or the hot tub with, you know, like-minded. It's just being surrounded by all these people and all these questions that, as libertarians, we we sort of feel like are settled. Like, you know, torture is wrong, uh, guns are okay, you know, the U.S. foreign policy is overextended. You don't have to have those debates. You're in a, in a whole small town or city full of people who we would consider sane. <laughs> and just just the the feeling of that is is just incredible and actually getting to see how that works in practice that you know how how we're able to police ourselves without outside uh, interference how people are able to interact what projects they put together the kind of art that they do just the beauty of of these people and we are really an exceptional group of people because we are people that believe that you know there's there's really nothing stopping us from doing what we want to do that that we are completely empowered, we're thoughtful people. So I think the what you get out of this group uh, is we're truly activists. I think most people are incredibly passive. They've been taught to be passive. You know, they watch TV, they kind of, they go and they pay their ticket price and expect to be entertained. But what you find with this group is even after they pay the ticket price, they want to participate. They want to build the event. So there's all sorts of media going on. You got Free Talk Live, you got tons of podcasts. Ernie Hancock comes up from Arizona, Ben Stone, the Bad Quaker. So it's just it's just alive. It's 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 a big party, it's a week-long party, and it's a and, and it's an intellectual conference, and it's just all these different things going on at once. And it really is I think it's a life-changing experience for someone who who shares our beliefs. 
Well, it certainly sounds awesome. It's almost kind of like you got a little libertarian city for a few days there, just kind of exactly what it is. Yeah, tiny little experiments. And and when is Pork Fest this coming year? If people want to kind of start thinking about that and planning early, Uh, it's June. It's the twenty first to the twenty eighth of June at Rogers Campground in Northern New Hampshire. Awesome. Now let's talk more about the Free State Project and specifically this film, One Hundred One Reasons to Move to New Hampshire. Now. How did this film first come together? Who are the creators and what does the film aim to accomplish? Obviously, I guess expanding this group, the Free State Project, is, is obviously a big goal here. Right. So this film was a volunteer project. A fellow named Vince Perfetto is a, an early mover, as we call ourselves. He's moved to New Hampshire and he was trying to think about a way that he could give back. He really had no experience in filmmaking. He's, he's, uh, he works with Verizon, a little bit of a tech guy, but he said, you know, I'm going to do this project. I want to make a film and put these 101 reasons, you know, make them visual for people to be able to experience. So he went out and uh, started asking around, and he got put put in touch with Bo Davis, who's another mover porcupine who does have more film editing experience, but also never made a feature film. And uh, together they they just started, and they did a crowdfunding campaign, raised uh, I think about $5,000, and used that to buy equipment. And really just poured a year of their lives into gathering interviews and editing this thing and and putting it together and then making it available for free on YouTube because they truly believe in the cause. Uh, It's really amazing that these guys had never actually produced a film before because it it really is very professionally done and very well produced. It's really a a really slick package uh, that that, that really does stand out. Let's get into a few of these specific reasons that listen to this film obviously we probably don't have time to go through all 101 reasons here on the show today and people should definitely go check out the full film i watched it recently and it really is it, it makes me want to pick up and move to new hampshire so it, it i don't know if i'm doing that but um uh-huh. you know, it, it does uh, really make you have a good feeling about the about the free state project and it really is some, some fascinating stuff in there so what are a few i guess of the few facts that stand out to you you know of the 101 reasons listed sure it was, it was a little tough to uh narrow them down but uh I would think, you know, just starting off, if you look at the, the first three, uh, no broad-based taxes on individuals. I think that's something that initially attracts uh, us. What I mean is there's New Hampshire has no sales tax, no income tax, no capital gains tax. So as an individual living here, you just don't deal with those things. And um, that changes your, I mean, it's just something that you can feel on a daily or, or yearly basis. You know, when you go to pay for a pack of gum and it says, you know, it's a buck then it's a buck, you know, it's not a buck oh nine or, or whatever it is right. in many other states. And that, you know, that's annoying. <laughs> and, and it's a, it's a daily reminder that, you know, of, of taxes and statism and all that stuff. It must make a splitting a bar tab a lot easier too. Cause I know we're always, whenever we split a tab at a restaurant or something like that, we're always like, Oh wait, we got to account for the, for the tax. Don't forget guys. The mystery 8% that <laughs> right. yeah, no, always throws off your calculations. Absolutely. And no income tax obviously is a huge thing and changes the, your cost of living. So yeah, I think the no broad-based taxes is a big one. Reasons I can sort of combine 42 and 86 would be uh, gun freedom and safety, which I think go together. New Hampshire has, uh, you can open carry without any permits or licenses. There is a concealed carry permit, but it costs $10 and is on a shall issue basis. Uh, So basically, as long as you're not a felon, uh, they can't deny it to you. And then on, you know, on sort of part and parcel of that is New Hampshire is ranked the safest state in the country, the lowest homicide rate, very low violent crime. And whether these things are a coincidence, who knows, but certainly an example for people that would say that once you, you know, 
make guns, firearms freely accessible, that you're going to have people just shooting each other in the streets. That New Hampshire and Vermont too. Vermont has doesn't even have a concealed carry permit. They have complete gun freedom, and they are also have an incredibly low homicide rate and violent crime rate. I mean, out here in California, you have to jump through so many hoops to even just purchase a, a gun, let alone concealed carry. Now, concealed carry is technically legal here. I mean, there are permits, but it's if you, if you say New Hampshire is a shall issue state, I'm not sure what the term is in California, but it's pretty much a never issue state because right. no one can actually get a concealed carry permit here. It's just something that exists and it's just kind of like you know a unicorn or something you never really see because I think the only people that can actually do it in reality are police officers or you know maybe certain people that work in the mayor's office or that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, it's a, they, they call it may issue, but uh, they should probably right. call it probably, probably not issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Don't bother, pal. Yeah, <laughs> I moved up from uh, New York City, which has to be the most restrictive anti-gun climate in, in the country. And that was a big factor for me, definitely. The, the, just the prospect of settling down in the city and never being able to defend my home or my family on my own, um, you know, just was, I, I just was just unacceptable to me. And so I was definitely a huge factor in me saying, you know what, we're, we're however, you know, we might be comfortable with our life here. Uh, New Hampshire is going to provide this immediate benefit to us. Oh, that's awesome. And, and there's some other cool ones, too, that stood out to me. I, uh, one of them that, that really popped my eye, obviously the taxes is huge, especially, again, living here in California. Where we, we are taxed on absolutely everything from our income to our sales tax and all that stuff. But one of them is there is no eminent domain there that's actually written in New Hampshire oh, yeah. law that they cannot seize uh, private land for pretty much any reason, I guess. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, there's all sorts of little laws that just make these kind of uh, traumatic experiences that go on in other states not possible here. Um, you know, they just passed this jury nullification act. So now you're, you, if you're uh, being prosecuted, your defense attorney can inform the jury that they can judge the law in addition to the facts of the case. So they can say, well, you know, maybe this law is unjust and this person shouldn't be prosecuted even if they're technically guilty of breaking the law. There's all sorts of the eminent domains, a huge one. And, you know, New York and New Jersey, you see when Donald Trump can go and seize half the houses in Atlantic City because he wants to put up a new casino. And it's just not fair. I mean, these people, they own their homes. They own we we're supposed to believe in in private property and be a capitalist society. And that just completely undermines that. I saw that um, legislators in state New Hampshire are only paid one hundred dollars a year. That's right. Which is just incredible. I mean, it's it's not really a lucrative thing to go into the legislature. So, I mean, hopefully, I guess in theory, it, that kind of thing leads to people just going into it for, quote unquote, the right reasons. Now, some people might have different politics and you might not agree with their reasons, but at least you get, I would hope, maybe some more honest people that aren't necessarily just trying to make a buck at the end of the day because they're really not going to. Yeah, and that's. I think that's definitely been the experience for New Hampshire. With $100 a year, it's kind of a volunteer position and people step up when they're passionate about something and they they view it as a as a giving back and the incentives are you know still bad for any any democratic system but pretty much you know with the size of the legislature too with uh, over you know, 400 state reps i think the third largest legislature in the english speaking world of any country or state so what it boils down to is if you're passionate you raise you can raise a couple thousand dollars and you have some people that are behind you you really can get elected to state rep and what we've seen is uh, we have about 15 free state related uh, reps in the House for this term, and it's, it's fluctuated about 12 to 15 for a while. So, yeah, people do get elected, which, you know, just not only um, 
uh, is a good is a good feeling of finally being able to to you know win a race for once. But also it helps to to train us about the the legislative process and you know choose our priorities. I think it's it's healthy for everybody, and uh, it's a, it's a nice thing that really can only happen in New Hampshire. Uh, so you guys, I mean, I know I know a lot of members of the Free State Project. I've had a few on the show, like Adema Freeman, uh, Ian Freeman. All you guys are Freemans up there. Um, uh, but um, I'm you, not. Know, <laughs> you are a free man, though. Or at least, or at least am, you're trying true. to be. Yeah. But you know, I know a lot of those guys might consider themselves anarchists. But you guys are not anarchists in the sense that you're disengaging from politics. You're doing quite the opposite. I mean, maybe some people are, but there's a very strong political activism within the Free State Project. And it, I mean, the re- attempt is to really just sort of take over the legislature. Legislature, I think long term, and to really make it a truly libertarian government in New Hampshire, and it certainly seems like more than any, in any other state, there is actual progress that you can point to that's been occurring. Um, and definitely thanks to the, the, the Free Straight Project and the efforts of all those activists there. Now, so how many of the 101 reasons that are listed here? I mean, how many of those do you think are can be directly attributed to the Free State Project? Because I mean, I don't th- think all this stuff was necessarily in place, or maybe most of it was. I'm not really sure when when the Free State Project first founded and people started moving there. So, are, are there are there any things you can specifically point to? I guess the jury nullification thing would be would be one of them. But jury nullification, um, knife laws were a big one. Just legal and getting rid of all restrictions on being able to have and you know carry knives. One of the big ones that we we really tangibly feel is the, the Nano Brew Act. There was a, a free a free early mover by the name of Kevin Bloom uh, who tried to open a small brewery in New Hampshire and couldn't deal with the regulatory burden, so he had to shut down. But then he took that energy and he went and wrote a bill that was then passed that created a special category for people who brew under two thousand barrels a year and sell directly at the place that they brew. And they basically are exempt from all these onerous regulations for big distilleries. And that's created this boom. We have this, I'm calling it the nanobrewery revolution that's going on. There's nanobreweries opening up right and left, and there's a huge beer scene now. There's people that come up from Mass and down from Maine to do beer tours. You know, They have these buses, and they just go from brewery to brewery. Really interesting new kinds of beer coming on. There's one here in Portsmouth called Earth Eagle Brewings, where they uh, brew what are called gruets, which are sort of these medieval um, recipes where they don't use hops, they use other herbs to mix into the beer, and you get these amazing tastes, the apricot and all these, just things you would never be able to get from your Anheuser-Busch or even your Sam Adams, you know, your sort of mid-sized craft brewery. Uh, And it's all possible because of this bill that, uh, and I would say that there's a lot of things that you could say porcupines have had an influence on, but it's really an interplay with the beauty of, of the fact that they chose New Hampshire is the native population here, the native culture is fairly libertarian. I like to tell people that, you know, I get in a, uh, if I talk to a stranger here and we get onto politics, which I try to avoid, but get onto politics, there's that point in the conversation where I sort of have my, my backup that I'm used to from New York getting into that big argument where, you know, they say, you're an idiot and you know, you're so wrong, you're going to destroy the country. But here, Usually what I get is something like, that's about right, right? Yeah, I agree with that. No matter, no matter how radically sort of libertarian I push it, very seldom will someone push back and say, oh, no, we definitely need to have you know, a federal income tax or no, we definitely need to have uh, uh, a TSA or any of these things. So I think it's, it, there's only 1,600 people that have moved. They're all activists, so they're all doing, you know, they're doing a lot. But if it weren't for the native culture here, we wouldn't be able to get much done. Um, it's the fact that each person that moves is really able to activate, you know, ten or more 
natives who share our beliefs, but really, you know, keeping to themselves, didn't view themselves as activists. And once they're in the presence of one of us, they say, oh, yeah, I want to get this is a scene. They're doing fun things. They've got events. I want to get active. Right. And it's kind of like I think there are a lot of people out there that are sort of have libertarian beliefs and, and don't really put it that way or even think of it that way because they're somewhat apolitical maybe and they, they're not actively thinking about politics. But if you actually have a conversation with them and, and explain things to them, they're, they're like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. No, of course the government shouldn't do that. Of course they shouldn't yeah. do that. And you realize, well, wait, you believe what I believe. You're just not, you know, you're just not like us who's out there talking about it all the time. But I think that's most people really. I think most people do have Maybe not most people, but a lot of people have rational, reasonable beliefs, and they're just not out there on the internet or whatever, blasting about it all day long. But it, I mean, it sounds like this is one of the reasons that New Hampshire was chosen. That it's a very fertile. It's not like you're invading a, a, a place where there's a bunch of communists and that are all you know insist that liberty is terrible. I mean, it's, it was already a very friendly ground, and sounds like pretty much the ideal place, which I suppose it is, which is why it was chosen for the Free State Project. Uh, do you think that? You know, maybe let's look 10, 15, 20 years in the future. I mean, do you think there's the possibility if this New Hampshire Free State Project model continues to be successful, and it sounds like it is already being successful with some of the legislation being passed and that kind of thing, do you see this model being recreated in other states or even other countries or that kind of thing? I mean, do you think this could really just be a model about how libertarians can truly create political change in certain regions and create sort of, I guess, mini libertarian societies if we can't maybe change the whole world? Sure. I think the model is good, especially for other countries. There are a couple of sort of imitating projects, which is it's nothing wrong with that. You know, copying is the highest form of flattery. You know, there's a free province project that's getting rolling in Canada. There's a free state project Europe where they're looking at one canton of Switzerland. And I think that that makes a lot of sense because, you know, the immigrating to the U.S., especially all the stuff that's going on in the U.S., it's extremely difficult. And even when you get here, you know, there's there's definitely some some bad, there's some trade-offs of being an American citizen nowadays uh, that people have to seriously consider. But the one thing that we do kind of actively push against is everyone saying, well, let's just, why isn't my state the free state project? I mean, why don't we have free state every state? And while it's not an aversion to competition, and there are some competing projects, it's the sense that the, the key to the strategy is concentrating. We've sort of spent 40 years doing the every free state project where we had libertarians in each state, each working to to try to free their state. And it didn't really work. We just don't have the numbers. Uh, we couldn't point to successes and it became a very discouraging thing and it pushes people out of the movement. So for me, I'm a, I'm a volunteerist. So, you know, the political action is kind of the, a little bit beside the point. I, I benefit from it. But for me, the, the key is really being in the same geographic area and the feeling of being around these like-minded people, being able to work on group projects, to start businesses, to start clubs like we've done. You see countless examples uh, and to support each other. And you can't really do that if we're all spread out. It's, you know, even with the Internet, there's something about human psychology that being able to have that casual contact, seeing the same people over and over again and really getting to know them on an intimate level, it changes the ballgame. And that's what we see here. And I don't think you'll meet a, a porcupine who says that their life as a libertarian wasn't changed by making the move. Mike, why don't you tell us real quick about the Free Coast, which is, I guess, your chosen region of New Hampshire. What exactly is the Free Coast and why is it, why is it so darn cool? <laughs> yeah, so we call the, it's the sea coast of New Hampshire. We call it the Free Coast. It's a very tiny coast. New Hampshire has a 17-mile uh, coastline on the ocean. 
but uh, it's they because it's so small, they really make use of every little bit of it. And we have a great uh, small city, uh, Portsmouth, on the coast here. And Portsmouth gets written up in you know Money Mag, all these different when they profile the best small cities in the country. Portsmouth is constantly winning these awards. It's a really cool town. I moved from Manhattan. I spent you know most of my youth there. And part of growing up in New York City is you you develop a certain snobbery about about places. You know you have to have a certain level of services. You you come to expect you know great great food and and uh, lots of different choices and variety and, and smart people and everything. And uh, and Portsmouth is totally satisfied. We've been here for uh, over three years, still not bored. There's way too much to do. There's multiple film festivals in Portsmouth every year. There's Telluride by the Sea, the New Hampshire Film Festival. There's beer. You know, like we talked about these nanobrewery beer events, um, Market Square Day, where the whole region kind of descends on on Portsmouth. And it's not just Portsmouth. There's I, I, I d- describe the seacoast as functioning like a network city. Where Portsmouth is a, a city, the permanent population is twenty thousand. It goes up to sixty thousand in the summer. But um, there's also Dover, which is thirty thousand, and Exeter, which is another thirty thousand, and Hampton, which has about twenty thousand. And these these towns are all within ten fifteen minutes of each other. So even though each town seems kind of small, we share resources and we're able to have big companies and attract big talent and essentially have big city services and also a small town kind of lifestyle where you recognize people on the street and it's easy to get out to the country and get to the mountains and to the beach. So it's really, uh, it's the best of both worlds. I think the, the seacoast is just a wonderful region on its own. Um, the only downside is the secrets getting out and, uh, you know, it's getting busier and busier. Um, there's a little, some fights over development, but, uh, it's just a wonderful place. And New Hampshire as a whole, I think each, as as the early movers have grown, each region has developed its own kind of activism identity. And so you'll see in Keene, you have the media with Free Talk Live, and you've also seen that become a center of civil disobedience. People who want to move there and do direct activism. They go out and fill parking meters to you know prevent people from getting tickets. They film police. They uh, do jury nullification outreach and, and that sort of thing directly confronting the state. Then in, in Manchester, the Merrimack Valley, in the center of the state, you see more uh, political activism, more families. And then coming out of the seacoast, we really emphasize uh, entrepreneurship as a form of activism. You start a business, become wealthy and influential. I mean, one of the advantages of our belief system, unlike the, the communists, the lefties, is we're not ashamed to, to be successful. And so we should do that. And I think some of us get caught in, in a psychology of kind of that that ascetic, you know, we have to give up everything and live in poverty and suffer for our beliefs. But our beliefs are about about flourishing and, and being successful. So we really promote that and try to support each other and in forming businesses and investing. And there's plenty of overlap. It's not like it's exclusive, but there's definitely these scenes that have developed. And I'm really happy with, with what we've seen go on in the free coast. Well, it certainly sounds like an awesome spot, and it really sounds like you guys are doing a lot of great stuff up there. So I definitely encourage people to, well, maybe not pick up and move to New Hampshire tomorrow, but at least check out what these guys are doing up there. Check out the Free State Project. Check out 101 Reasons Liberty Lives in New Hampshire. One more thing I want to ask you is, if you met someone who is kind of, I guess, vaguely interested in the ideas of liberty, maybe they hear this interview and it piques their interest. What is one book you would recommend to somebody who's just getting first getting inter- interested in these ideas? Well, they're first getting interested. I mean, the book that brought me in was Healing Our World by Mary Ruert. 
It's just a very nice, calm overview of all the different liberty issues. And I think it's, it's a good one that doesn't start people off on too radical a foot. You can kind of get an understanding of the liberty perspective. So definitely healing our world. And then, you know, once people get a little bit more involved, I think For New Liberty is uh, by Murray Rothbard is a central reading for, for every libertarian. Awesome. Well, you're actually the second person to recommend that Mary Ruart book, which I have not read yet, Healing Our World. And the first one to recommend it was, you're in pretty good company. It was Glenn Jacobs, also known as Kane in WWE. So it's a pretty good club to be in, I think. And it's a definitely yeah. a book. I, it's been on my long list of, of books to check out, which is getting longer every day. So definitely consider checking that book out. Now, Mike, before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to let everybody know exactly where they can find out about the Free State Project, about this film, and also... Uh, I know your company, which is helping promote this film, Sentinel Consulting. Why don't you tell people a little bit about that real quick and how people can contact you if they maybe have some sort of project or something to promote? Sure. So the most important thing is if you want to uh, to catch the film, to Google 101 Reasons Film. Uh, and it's right there on YouTube. And uh, it's a full one-hour documentary. It's, it's, it's very easy watching. You can watch it with the family. And it's there. It's available for free. So you just Google 101 Reasons Film or, or look up the Free State Project, and there's plenty of links to it. Finding the Free State Project, that's freestateproject.org, or you can just Google Free State Project. A lot of the, the meeting people is done on Facebook. So if you get involved on Facebook, you like the page and you know, message the moderators or just email into at freestateproject.org. People will help you get connected to find the groups if you want to meet people. That's what I suggest is, is reach out, introduce yourself in some of the groups, whether it's forums or on Facebook. Let people know who you are, and then they're very welcoming. We'll, we'll, you know, let them know when you're planning to visit. Do plan a visit, and people, you'll, you'll just see the scene for yourself. As far as uh, my projects, we've got the Free Coast. If you want to know more about the Free Coast, it's at freecoast.org. It's just like it sounds, freecoast.org. You can see our, our blog post and connect up with us on social media. And then my firm, I, I, I do marketing communications with a Liberty Focus. And I've uh, worked with uh, everybody from uh, Peter Schiff to more local clients. The company website, it's Sentinel Consulting and Sentinel.net. Sentinel with a C. So it's C-E-N-T-I-N-E-L.net. Mike Vine, thanks so much for coming on the show today. And please do go check out these various projects, including the really great film, 101 Reasons Liberty Lives in New Hampshire. Mike, wish you the best. Thanks, Mark. Great discussion. You got it, man. Take care. We'll be back after a little break. Hey, guys. Mark Blair here, LionsLiberty.com, where we strive to advance the ideas of liberty daily. We bring you the Morning Roar. That's right. Every Monday to Friday, we'll have a brand new edition of the Morning Roar, where we provide a roundup of some news stories that you may not find in the mainstream media or even in your typical social media news feed. We find stories that relate to the ideas of liberty and provide you with our liberty perspective on them. We wrap it all up every Friday with Felony Friday, where our own John Odermatt goes out and takes a look at some sort of felony. There's felonies committed every day, you know, whether it's a felony committed by the police, a politician, or even an average citizen. You can find all of this and so much more over at lionsofliberty.com, advancing the ideas of liberty daily. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed my interview with the great Mike Fine, an awesome activist who was just doing so much to promote liberty and was a really great guy to talk to. And I think the situation in New Hampshire is a really interesting one, because by any real objective measure, it's just looking at the laws, the low taxes, the relatively unobtrusive government, 
it probably already is one of, if not the most libertarian states out there. And it really does feel like the kind of place that is just ripe for the picking for liberty-minded individuals to gather and create an even more free state. And obviously, they've had a lot of successes with little stuff like even stuff like the microbreweries. That certainly makes you want to come check it out. Uh, the knife laws, the jury nullification thing. You know, when you have a constituency that's starting to believe the same way, and, and when you have a situation like in New Hampshire where a lot of it sounds like a lot of people already do kind of lean in a libertarian way, you can really be effective with your political change. Now, moving to New Hampshire isn't going to be for everyone. I mean, for me, despite the high taxes on everything, uh, on my income, on everything I buy, despite all the nutty laws, I, I really do love it here out here in sunny Los Angeles, and we've got a thriving liberty contingent out here as well. But there's certainly something to be said for being around like-minded people and creating really communities based around the ideas of liberty. I think it's a really positive thing. And of course, I think ultimately society as a whole needs to start really thinking differently in order to really change. We need to think differently about the way we interact with our fellow man. People need to come to understand a philosophy that respects individual rights. And that's where I aim the focus of my work here on this show. But when it comes to current libertarians, people that already believe in these concepts for whatever reason, however they got to it, for people to actively work and create communities such as people in the Free State Project are doing, it's certainly an interesting model and worth investigating. So I do highly recommend this film, 101 Reasons Liberty Lives in New Hampshire. Be sure to go check that out on YouTube. It's really, really well done. And be sure to keep checking in with us over at lionsofliberty.com. Keep popping your head in. Keep coming in and saying hi. We have new content every single day, Monday to Friday. And be sure to tune in next week because, boy, do I have a fun time planned. We are going to join together once again with some of my Lions of Liberty crew over a few adult beverages. The Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. That's right. We are having our annual holiday special. It's going to be a fun time, kids. And until then, well, there's only one thing left to ask of you, and that's to live long and live free. Ah!